we're going to start at uh, chapter 10, verse 1, and we're going to recount a little bit. Now, remember, these are the Psalms, or excuse me, the Proverbs of Solomon, but Solomon didn't write them all. <clears throat> You're going to see later in the book other people who wrote them, but most people believe they grabbed the collection from Solomon and compiled them. We'll talk about that later. But now, for the next couple weeks, we'll be looking at the Solomon Proverbs. These are the Proverbs you think of. Chapters 1 through 9 was like a piece of literature that's not sort of the Proverbs that you think of, those little statements. Uh, they're just two or three lines, or maybe four lines, and they're comparing and contrasting in Hebrew poetry. And Hebrew poetry isn't lyrical like we love. Roses are red, all that. It's not lyrical and it's not meter and rhyme. What he, what appeals to the poets of that, you know, the Jews, the Hebrew poetry was expressing beautiful ideas. So it's not lyrical. And what's going on in the poetry is hard to see in the English because there's a lot going on. And because it's so complicated, I, we won't be pointing out all of the uh, poetry here, but trust me, it's parallelism and compare and contrast. And uh, I showed you a book last week by Leland Riken that if you like, you could get and it show you some of those things. It's fantastic. But if you read... Ten different commentators, they would have ten different outlines for the book of Proverbs. And G. Campbell Morgan, who was a great expositor of the Bible, amazing, he said this, listen to this, no exposition of Proverbs is possible save to take each proverb and consider it, consider its separate value. In the majority of instances, this is unnecessary because they are self-evident expositions of one abiding truth. And that was my fancy way of telling you that that's what we're going to do. We're going to take them one at a time, although we might not make every one. There's so many. <clears throat> but you're going to see they're unconnected sentences. And you say to yourself, why in the world wouldn't the writer of the Bible have put these in sets and subsets so that we could go and look at all the topics on how to handle money, for instance. That's in here. How to take on debt. That's in here. Why wouldn't that all be in one place? Well, you'd ask yourself the same thing if you asked yourself about the Bible. Why isn't everything about justification in one place? It's not. And what's interesting is if you read this you know, it's 31 chapters, so if you read one chapter a day for a month, it's interesting how you would come across all these different topics that you're going to need for the day. Isn't that interesting? And so that's what Proverbs is like. Now let me show you a couple quotes. We're going to put up a quote here by Warren Wearsby. What is a proverb? I told you some of these last week, but I'm going to do it again. Proverbs are pithy statements. What's a pithy statement? It's a short statement with a lot of expression. Or, I don't even know, uh, ability to remember. Proverbs are pithy statements that summarize in a few choice words 
practical truths relating to some aspect of everyday life. Remember, the Psalms would be read on your knees because you're praying to God. You're worshiping. The Proverbs you'd wear with your work shoes on because you're going to use what this is out in the world where you're going. That's the difference. They are expressed in ways, Listen, isn't this a wonderful way to say it? that make it easy to hang proverbial proverbial wisdom in the picture gallery of your mind. Amazing, right? But look at this other quote from Warren Wiersbe, the next one. Proverbs contain much more than clever sayings, though, based on man's investigation and interpretation of human experience because God inspired this book It's a part of the divine revelation and relates the concerns of human life to God and the eternal. The book of Proverbs is quoted in the New Testament, that's my fault, and therefore has a practical application to the lives of believers today. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 3.16. I'm going to tell you something. (laughs) My wife's giggling at my froggy voice. Second Timothy 3.16. Let me tell you something. I started reading the Proverbs in preparation for this maybe about four months ago. And quite frankly, if you're just an average reader, I mean, you can get through the Proverbs in one sitting. I mean, it's easy. So I've read them several times. <clears throat> but I have to tell you, and I'm a pastor, <clears throat> in all of the time in all of the time that I've been reading the Bible over the last four months, 2 Timothy 3.16, thank you, hasn't uh, come alive to me as much as it has while I was reading the Proverbs. And here it is. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And listen to this. It's profitable for doctrine. Do you know that in the book of Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs, there are several, uh, you're talking 20, 25 references to describe who God is right in the book of Proverbs. If you want some of those, I'll give them to you after. But you're finding out who God is in the book of Proverbs. Don't forget that. Doctrine. But it's also profitable for reproof. What's reproof? It means you're getting convicted. You're being reproved. And to an American or somebody in the United States, we don't like that word. We don't like to be reproved. And how many times over and over the Proverbs say, those who refuse rebuke or reproof, it actually says in one place, you're stupid. But those who receive correction are wise. So reproof is in the scriptures. And I got to tell you, reading through this will convict you. At first, you're just like, wow, these just seem all put together. But they keep going and keep going. And they really are doing a job in conviction. Because they tell you how to live. And you need the resource of God how to live. You can't just muster it yourself. You need the resource of God. But in order to live a godly life, listen, listen to this. 
I think a lot of Christians think, oh, I'm going to get saved. I'm going to look through these pages of the Bible, and God's going to sprinkle some magic dust on me, and all of a sudden I'm going to be perfect. But living a godly life, I don't have any, but requires you to exercise godliness. It's like a muscle being developed, godliness. And you say, well, what about grace? Yes, you get the grace to live godly. It's not just some magic dust that comes across. You, you exercise with God's help and his grace and resource. So, all scripture is given by inspiration, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and for correction. Correction, in other words, puts you on the right path. Proverbs are to put you on the right path. Who here has ever been on the wrong path? Have you? Have you been on the wrong path this year? I have. Oh, just Jan and I. That's amazing. <clears throat> that's funny. But anyway, <clears throat> and for instruction in righteousness. And oh, by the way, the wisdom and righteousness of God, James tells us, results in peaceable fruit. Who here wants peace in their life? Here you go. Proverbs. That the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, that means mature, and look, who here serves in some way in your church? Who here serves in some way? Do you serve in some way at your church? Look at this. I'm convinced that the greeters, that the people who clean the bathrooms, the people who clean the outside, who mow the lawn, they're doing service for the Lord, the way that you get really equipped to do what God's called you to do, from pastor to worship leader to Sunday school leader to donut maker, coffee maker, is to be thoroughly equipped through the word of God and part of the word is Proverbs. Isn't that interesting? Okay, now, flip back, chapter 10. Before... We go, I'm just going to remind you one thing. What is the baseline beginning for wisdom? That's what we're talking about. That's what this whole book is about, is being wise. And that means much more than just knowing it. It means living it. It means applying what you know. What's the baseline for wisdom? And it's the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 1-7. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the... When you enter on the ground floor of wisdom, it's the fear of the Lord. So what's the fear of the Lord? We're going to put it up here. Another quote by Charles Bridges. What's the fear of the Lord? It's that affectionate reverence by which the child of God bends himself humbly and carefully to his father's law. Isn't that amazing? His wrath is so bitter and his love is so sweet that hence springs an earnest desire to please him. And because of the danger of coming short from his own weaknesses and temptation, a holy watchfulness and fear that he might not sin against him. See, what we are in is a love relationship with God. We are not striking at the heart of the Ten Commandments, these tablets. That's what I mean. We're not striking at the heart of these tablets. We're striking at the heart of God when we're disobedient. And we don't want to be. It's not because we love our dad. And he loves us. 
And so we want to please him. And Proverbs, the baseline thing is the fear of the Lord. What's the fear of the Lord? It's that. Well, I'm going to pass out one more thing. Sarah's going to hopefully pass out to all of you. You're all going to get this. I want you to know one other thing before we begin. It's this. She'll she'll pass them out. Just listen to me as we do it. Oh, she may have already done it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's already done it. As you study, now listen, listen to this. As you study the Proverbs, I'm so serious about this. Warren Wearsby right here, this is the greatest advice. Thank you for getting those, Sarah. Keep in mind that Hebrew Proverbs, listen, are generalized statements of what's usually true in life, and they can't be treated like promises or must not. A friend loves at all times. Have you been a friend to somebody? Raise your hand if you have a friend. Have you perfectly loved your friend your whole life? Wow, good for you. Well, I haven't. I've let people down, but it's generally true. How about this? Sometimes even the most devoted friends may have disagreement. What about a soft answer turns away wrath? Yeah, in most instances, but our Lord's lamb-like gentleness didn't deliver him from shame and suffering. The assurance of life for the obedient is given often. Generally generally speaking, it's true. Obedient believers will care for their bodies and minds and avoid substances and practices that destroy. Uh, But some godly saints have died very young, while more than one godless rebel has had a long life. And you could look at David Brainerd, Robert Murray McShane, etc. And so what I want you to do is remember that these are general statements of truth. But we live in a fallen world where people have free will, train up a child in the way that he should go or she should go, right? Well, that's true. If you train up and create an environment for Christianity, for a love relationship for your child, yes, that's true, but they still have free will. And sometimes it doesn't turn out always the way we expect. Okay, chapter 10, the Proverbs of Solomon. Watch this. An introductory statement for sure. A wise son or a wise daughter makes a glad father. And what's really interesting about this statement, who was the most wise person of the Old Testament? Solomon, 1 Kings chapter 3. He wanted wisdom. Remember that? And you could look there. So Solomon was the wisest son. But guess what happened? Solomon didn't end well. He got mixed up with a lot of ladies who had idols, and he got into those idols, and he didn't finish well. So he writes, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. And he knew both of these sides of the coin for himself, and he knew it. And, oh, by the way, I finally figured out what Jan was telling me last week. Yes, I was saying the wrong name, wasn't I? David was married to Bathsheba, <laughs> and Solomon was the son. I figured it out on the way home. I didn't admit she was right. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. Now, how in the world does righteousness deliver from death as you sit here today? And why does it matter? 
It matters in so many ways. Righteousness delivers from death. You say, oh, Old Testament, Deuteronomy 27, Deuteronomy 28. If I do everything in the law, I get blessed. If I don't do everything in the law, I don't get blessed. Now we live on this side of the cross. Jesus took our sin at the cross. Look, our sin was imputed to him. The penalty for sin was unfurled, the wrath of God against sin. And he died and rose again, paid the penalty for sin. Now everybody who surrenders their life to Christ receives the righteousness of Christ so that you don't have to earn your way to heaven. All the pressure's off. You just rest in the righteousness that you received because you trusted in Christ. And now when we read Proverbs, we go, whoa, treasures of wickedness profit nothing. I don't want to be on the side of relying upon my own righteousness when I die. Because if I do, the Bible tells me we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But if I surrender my life to Christ, I receive his righteousness and I'm delivered from death. Do you see how the Proverbs come to life? It's amazing. And the Lord won't allow the righteous soul to famish. He says, come to him with your mouth wide open and he'll fill you up. Notice he's saying your soul won't famish. You can be in a dry, deserted place and be well watered spiritually. You could be like Acts, you can be. Listen, you can be in the prison and a miracle happens and the prison doors open and you can say, I'm not leaving because I'm going to sing praises to God because I'm concerned about the prison warden. That's a soul that's not famished. It's been filled up. You have joy, but he casts away the desired of the wicked. Look at this. Then he moves into something different. Can you imagine reading this every day? <clears throat> Monday mornings, you don't feel like going to work. Can't I just t- stay home and play golf and watch, you know, video games and the college football games that I recorded all weekend? He who has a slack hand becomes poor. This is everywhere through the Psalms, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. People who are organized or on schedule. That's good in the Lord's economy. People who are lazy. Some people sit around and say, well, why don't I have enough to feed my family? Well, Proverbs tells us sometimes. We're not working hard or we're not diligent. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now, here's what's interesting. As we get farther in here, you get a balance. Because those Proverbs talk a lot about doing well, walking with the Lord. You'll prosper But it also says, and we're going to hopefully encounter it tonight, people who have things, or even if you don't have things, should be unbelievably generous and not hoard everything. It says it in here. Because wealth, as you know, can become an idol. So this is everywhere. 
He who gathers in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Look at this. Blessings are on the head of the righteous. Remember, Old Covenant, Deuteronomy 27, 28. But violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Uh, and speech, look, speech is going to be all through here. We'll talk about that right in a minute, right here in a minute. The memory of the righteous is blessed. Like Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. Some of those people in there, are you like me? You get down to the bottom, you're like, who is that? And how'd they get in Hebrews 11? But they're remembered forever because they wanted to be filled with God and give it out to the world. And so that memory is blessed. But the name of the wicked will rot. Oh my. Those found outside of Christ. The wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. You know what a prating fool is? You, some of us really need to listen here, <laughs> including me, or starting with me. Ones who speaks rashly, without thinking, just speaks, fills in the time with speech, just to fill it up with speech. Anybody do that sort of thing? But the wise in heart receive and listen to things that are important. Do you have a tough time listening and being corrected? Raise your hand. (laughs) Right? Who here likes to be corrected? Okay, store that away for a minute. He who walks with integrity walks securely. Can you imagine this? You're on your first day of reading through the Proverbs. And you're about ready to go to your tax preparer. And you have this opportunity to just sort of put that one document in the drawer so he or she, your tax preparer, doesn't see it. Or maybe you don't tell them about the tips or whatever. I'm just making something up. But what the Bible tells us is that he who walks with integrity walks securely. You are never more free then when you're walking in integrity, what's integrity basically mean? With nothing to hide. When you walk with integrity with nothing to hide, like for instance, you don't have to be a perfect person, but the Bible says to agree with your adversary quickly. When you make a mistake or a sin, you just admit it. You agree. And you confess it and you ask for forgiveness. You hurt you, you make it right as much as you can make right, and you move on. And that's walking in integrity and with nothing to hide. You're secure now because nobody has anything on you. What do you care? You're just, it's between you and the Lord, and you're walking in the light. But he who perverts his ways will become known. And, oh, man, you want to read something shocking? Oh, you don't? Okay, well... <laughs> Turn with me to Matthew 10. Read, start with me with verse 26. You talk about walking with integrity. You think Jesus didn't know about this? This is shocking. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, 
Nothing is covered over that won't be revealed. If you're doing something secretly at home or at work or in your car or whatever, it's not secret, Jesus said. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the air, preach on the housetops. And don't fear those who kill the body but can't fill the soul, but rather fear him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father's will? But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't fear, therefore, you're of more value than many sparrows. He cares for you. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I'll also confess before my Father who's in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I'll also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I didn't come to bring peace. But a sword, for I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mom, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me, and he who loves son or daughter, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That's just, look, I'm just trying to read you, like, that's the normal life of a Christian, is to live it out there in the light Even the things that we say, the Bible tells us, are going to be evaluated later. Does that one hit home with you? So walk securely, walk in integrity. So look, the mouth of a righteous, of the righteous is a well of life. Your speech impacts others, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. One writer says this, wise speech that blesses and builds, builds the community. Such speech is compared to a wellspring or a fountain of life. You ready for this? A fountain is a source of fresh, refreshing water, which especially in the arid biblical world is a welcome source of life for the community. The open and virtuous speech of the righteous, like an oasis in the desert, draws the community to gather around and receive moral, intellectual, physical, and temporal sustenance. That's what one writer says about speaking blessing to people. I don't know. You guys don't seem to be getting it. James says there's the power of the tongue to destroy something like fire. I mean destroy You can say something to somebody 20 years ago, and it can take them into the fire. Especially if you have a relationship with them. You know what I'm saying? And what this writer just said is when we speak graceful, fountain of life, life-affirming words, and I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking here now, folks. I'm talking about just graceful speech. It has the power to bring a community and build it up. Why do you think we're so beaten down now? You think now all scripture is given for reproof? That hasn't hit me. My love language is sarcasm. I like it when you are sarcastic with me. That's the way it was at my family. That meant I was loved. But I got to get rid of that. Because sarcasm always has a kernel of truth in it, doesn't it? Here he's saying he 
Or the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. What's in your heart comes out of your mouth. But violence covers the mouth of the wicked. And hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. There's two ways right there you can react when you've been wrong. Right there it is, right there in front of you. First day, reading Proverbs. Hatred stirs up strife. You go, okay, I'm going to go see the boss today. And there's two ways I can react. I can have hatred in my heart for him or her, but I could pray for them and love them because I know they must be lashing out because they're hurting. Oh, boy. Lord, help me to love like that. Wisdom is found on the lips who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of his who is devoid of understanding. So wisdom comes off the lips of people who understand the biblical things of God and are exercising godliness. And wise people store up knowledge. I'm convinced that means memorize. Who here loves to memorize the scripture? Oh, good job, good job, good job. Keep doing it. And let's all who, like me, find it difficult, let's be better at that and memorize the scripture. Store it up. But the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. Which man's wealth is his strong city? Look how many times they talk about money. And the destruction of the poor is poverty. And the labor of the righteous leads to life, and the wages of the wicked to sin. And You could use your money for good. You could use your money for bad. But here, look, here it is again. You hate to be corrected? He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. And whoever hides hatred has lying lips. If you got anybody, listen, anybody like me, like if you do something to me, especially when I'm in the flesh or outside of Christ, you know what I mean? I'm not outside of Christ, but you know what I mean? Before I was a Christian, and now if I'm in the flesh, listen, if you do something to me, here's what's happening. I'm just going to give you a little secret. Hmm, okay, you got me. And I'm going to store that away for a while, but I'll get you. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I'm going to get you. Anybody else think like that? I think like that, and maybe it's because, well, maybe how I was grow up, but also I was trained like that to argue and to think and all those sorts of things. And look. Whoever hides hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. In other words, I'm a fool. And maybe sometimes you get into those sorts of thoughts too. And then the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. (laughs) Who here loves to talk all the time? (laughs) And good, you're gregarious, and you love people, and you're outgoing. Don't you ever catch yourself getting in trouble sometimes by just blabbing away? And sometimes isn't the Lord just saying, man, just dial it back a notch. Well, here the Lord says, watch it. He who restrains his lips is wise, and the tongue of the righteous is a choice silver, and the heart of wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many. I don't you want to be like that. Man, I'm convicted about that one. The lips of the righteous feed many. You want to impact the world? Hmm. 
Feed the people around you at work. Feed the people around you at school. Feed the people around you at the extracurricular activities when they're all gossiping about a lady and you could, or a man, and you could just say, oh, you know what? I found Bill or Bob or Gene or whatever. Oh, man, nice guy. We, let's not talk about him and let's, let's bless him. And, uh, because he's done this and the, or, or whatever. Or you, you know somebody and their love language is words of affirmation and they're good at something. Find the good in the him or her. And give them that good, appropriate, honest affirmation. And don't just hold it back. Do it. And you're going to feed tons of people. You catching this? This is what the Bible says. Who here is good at catching that or doing that encouraging? I'm not real great at that. Here he says, if you want to feed a ton, what's your ministry? I feed people encouragement. It's a good thing. And don't be dishonest about it. Be honest. Find the good in them. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. The blessings of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Look at this. Uh, go down to 26. As vinegar to the, smeat, uh, uh, to the teeth and smoke to the eyes. In other words, it's really irritating. Something's really irritating. And here's what's irritating. The lazy man to those who send him. Don't be lazy. What, whatever we do, the Bible says, do it as unto the Lord. Don't be lazy about it. Do it as unto the Lord. I even think about this in missions. If you're going to go serve and love somewhere, don't be lazy. Do it as unto the Lord because the fear of the Lord prolongs days. Not fear of man, but fear of the Lord. But the years of the wicked are going to be shortened. Why? Because generally, if you're righteous... You're going to do the right things. And generally, if you're wicked, you probably won't do the right things and not treat your body right. That's what that handout's all about. Check that out. How about this? Who here has gotten up on a Monday morning or maybe Sunday night? You remember when I was a kid, the NFL games would be over about 6.30, and then I would hear this. And when I heard this, I went into a deep depression. You know what it was? The 60-minute clock for 60 minutes. Tick, 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 tick. And I got that commercial. I'm like, oh, weekend's over, man. Anybody else like that? And you're like, oh, I forgot to do my paper or my homework, and now I'm going to stay up till about 2 or 3 in the morning and have to get up at 6. And I got to go to school. Ah, it was just so awful, right? And some of us feel like that every week about different things. And you don't feel very strong, but watch this. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright. He gives the weak his strength. Ask him for the strength. In our weakness, he is strong. But destruction comes to the workers of iniquity, and the righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not inhabit the earth. But the righteous will never be removed. We're going to, or the meek, but Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth, praise the Lord. And the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue is going to be cut out. Here it is again, more talk, more speech. And the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. Anybody ever been around somebody that's always giving you a TMI, too much information, or maybe telling an off-color joke? You're like, man, you get, I mean, what's, what are you doing? <laughs> it's not the right time. I don't want to be that way, right? 
And the Lord says, if you exercise godliness and take these to hearts, you'll be a person who speaks with understanding in the right ways. And then he goes on again and talks about dishonest scales, integrity in selling and economics. And he talks about how pride makes us shameful or gives us shame, but with the humble is wisdom. And God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And we're in verse or chapter 11 here. But riches don't profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. And then just go down to verse 8. You could keep reading through all these this week, but look in verse 8. The righteous, this is beautiful. You don't want to miss this, Helen. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The righteous is delivered from trouble and it comes to the wicked instead. Remember, remember when I said, actually, um, Warren Wearsby said, these are generalized, generally true statements. Read this again. The righteous is delivered from trouble and it comes to the wicked instead. But look, look, hold on just a minute. But our Lord and Savior was the exact opposite of this. Are you catching this? For our sakes, he became poor to make us rich so that the righteous was delivered instead of the wicked. And that's the story of the gospel. On the cross, 1 Peter 3.18, look that up. And that's beautiful. But the hypocrite with his mouth, look what, look what people who are outside of God do. They destroy their neighbors. And that's what gossip is, folks. Gossip is just tearing others down to make you look good. Really, gossip is an idol. You idolize yourself when you do it because you're making yourself feel good or I'm making myself feel good. But sincere love builds people up. It doesn't rip them down. And that's tough for me. Again, I'm a sarcastic dude. So these are very um, convicting, just like Timothy tells us. Well, how about this? He who is devoid of wisdom, up in verse 12, despises his neighbor. But a man of understanding holds his peace. People who are men and women of understanding, when neighbors are irritating or even do something wrong, We hold our peace. We don't give everybody a piece of our mind. No, we hold our peace. The Bible says, well, let me ask you this. Are you despising somebody right now? Just think in your heart. Do you despise somebody right now? Well, the Bible tells you right there that you lack wisdom. Not me. That's what the Bible says. And here's here's one that all of us need to hear in 13. A a talebearer reveals secret secrets. Don't be a talebearer. Don't be a gossip. Instead, do this, and this takes exercise. He who is of faithful spirit conceals the matter. If somebody tells you something, you don't have to run out and tell. Sometimes at the prayer group, we got to tell people, you can't go out and tell people about this. This takes discretion. People are unloading here, getting, giving their burdens, their sadness, their things that they're dealing with. You shouldn't go out and spread it around. Man, is that a tough one, huh? 
Where there is no counsel, the people fall. In other words, people need good, godly leadership. <clears throat> and uh, But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety, so don't become a lone ranger. Who loves to be a lone ranger Christian? Well, don't. And then it says, he who's surety for a stranger is going to suffer. It's really not a smart thing, folks. It's not a smart thing to co-sign for other people. <laughs> you better be sure, because it's not smart. And the Bible here in Proverbs says it several times. And then here we go. A gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. Ruthless people retain and go after riches. Gracious people and gracious women retain honor. They have the grace to have great character and great strength. And you can see that in Deborah and Esther and Abigail, some beautiful, godly, strong women of the Bible. Honor. Isn't that great? How about this one? The merciful man does good for his own soul. You know what's good for you? Is to give up your bitterness Give up your holding your grudges and be merciful. And the Bi- what mercy is meant in the Bible, anybody know, is withholding from somebody what they deserve because God's merciful with us. He withholds from us what we deserve. Grace is giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is withholding what we do deserve. Watch this. The Bible here is saying, if you want to bless your own soul, be merciful. Withhold from people what they deserve. But they did it, and they deserve it, and I have my rights, we say. And you're just killing yourself. The Bible says it right there. And you could go on. Even as we get down to verse 20, those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord. But watch this. But the blameless in their ways are his desi- are his delight. Who here has trouble thinking that the Lord delights in you? Some of us do, right? Well, here it comes. This is a truth that you should memorize or I should memorize. Let's memorize it together because the blameless in their ways are his delight. And maybe one of you might say, and I'm not picking on you, But maybe one of you might say, I'm not blameless. And the Bible says, well, yeah, you are, because you've been forgiven. It's all rooted in the cross. So that maybe you had a tough dad. Maybe you have a tough mom. Maybe you had a tough sister or brother or grandma or grandpa, and they made you feel like you're not a delight. Well, I'm here to tell you that the Bible says you're a delight to him in Christ Ooh. Just remember that one. Just remember that one. What would our Mondays be like? <laughs> and you keep going. I'll go down to verse 24. Look at this. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich That means full satisfaction. The generous soul. So listen, although it's good to work hard and to have, you know, provide for your family and be responsible, that's wonderful. The Bible says it is. 
If you're a hoarder and you're stingy and you're not generous, boy, he's got strong words for that. You will never be satisfied. But the one who scatters will increase more. Look real quick at Luke chapter 6. Go with me there. Luke chapter 6. This is one we all should internalize and should know. Luke chapter 6 in verse 38. We all should know this. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Be careful about being stingy or not generous or so tight you can't get your wallet open with a crowbar. Be generous. I'm not saying violate Dave Ramsey's principles. I'm saying that built into what you're doing with your money is generosity. The Bible says it. But on the flip side of that, he who trusts in his riches are going to fall, verse 28. But the righteous will flourish like foliage. Isn't that great? You ever been... You know, in some of the forests around here and seeing all the foliage and it's just miles upon miles upon miles, just so much of it, that's how you're going to flourish when you're righteous. And look at this, verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and he who wins souls is wise. So I ask you, When's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? If a wise person shares the gospel, a wise person shares the gospel, not because they can notch it on their belt or say, oh, wow, look at me and post it on Instagram. No, so that people will have life and not death. And it's good for you to share the gospel. You're wise if you do that. That's part of being a fruitful Christian. Well, if the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, if the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner will be recompensed somewhere else? And you go on real quick. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who creates correction is stupid. <laughs> Come on, man. The Bible's funny sometimes. Don't call anybody stupid. Well, Look at chapter 12, verse 1. <laughs> right? So here's the thing. Ask people to correct you. Give them the opportunity. Jan, thanks for giving me that opportunity. <laughs> and you could go on. Look down in verse 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. What's the husband supposed to do? He's supposed to lead in spiritual things. And he's supposed to lead his wife into washing her in the water of the word. And he's to, with God's help, love her unconditionally and present her to the Lord. Of course, 
Jesus does it, but you keep pointing her in that direction. You set her life up so that she continues to grow in Christ. That's what the husband does. But look, on the flip side of that, watch when a wife is there and is a helpmate and is doing the things that God has called her to do. The home is really happy and it's wise and godly. But if she doesn't take her role seriously or if he doesn't take his role seriously, then shame is brought upon the household. And the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked are lie and wait for blood, ambush people, destroy them. But the mouth of the upright delivers them. The evidence, evidence of your relationship with your God or with God is your mouth. <laughs> I just want you to think about this for a minute. I'm going to say it again. <clears throat> you think of all the things that you see in the media. I don't care what channel you listen to. And the words of the wicked are lie and wait for blood, ambush people, destroy people. But the mouth of the upright, what? Deliver people, help people, bring them up out of the miry clay and set their feet upon the rock and encourage them and build them up and edify them. Well, I have a sports story for you, but I'll skip it. Anyway, flip over to verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wide is wise. Oh, what a convicting thing to always believe I'm right. But he who heeds counsel is wise. And fool's fool's wrath is known at once, but a prudent man covers his shame. A fool's wrath. Why? Because you always got to give people a piece of your mind. You hear it out in the public square when somebody, man, I really gave it to her. You should have heard me down at the, you know, whatever we were doing. And she made this stupid comment, and I just, I just gave her a piece of my mind. And people revel in this stuff. And what the Bible says here is you're a fool if you do that stuff. You're a fool. But a prudent man, a wise man, he doesn't do that. He doesn't want to shame people. And there's one who speaks, look, verse 18, like the piercing of a sword. Does your speech cut Or does your speech do this, promotes health? Ask yourself that. You you have cutting speech? Yes, I do. I'm talking to myself. Or do you promote health? Lord, help me here. And you go over here and it says, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. This one I love. This one just, man, pray for me. This is one I want. (laughs) I want it for all of you. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil. Watch this. But counselors of peace have joy. Counselors of peace have joy. Counseling or planning good for people. Sharing God's love. How can you bless someone? Speak words of peace. Shalom. And you're going to be filled up with joy. It's wild. 
I speak words of joy to your words of edification to you, real ones, honest ones. Man, I saw you over there and I saw you talking to that person and you know that person was so lonely. What a blessing you are to go over and to help that person when nobody else in the room would do it. Man, that's I see Christ in you when you do that. That's speaking life. Isn't that incredible? And guess what happens? When you speak life, the Lord says he's going to give you, the speaker, joy. That's not power of positive confession. That's, that's just biblical. Here it is. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Telling the truth, not twisting the truth, giving the full picture. And here, I couldn't wait to get to this one. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Anybody ever dealt with depression? Don't raise your hand, but have you? Yes. Anxiety in the heart of man or woman causes depression. But a good word, and I believe that's really talking about the word of God and then people who speak the word of God into your heart makes it glad. See, that's a promise. I wonder if we believe it. And I just, I'll end on this. Boy, we got through 10 through 12. I said 10 through 15. I didn't make it. But anyway, I want you to go over, and we'll close on this. I want you to go over to Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. And this is an interplay between God the Father and the Messiah, 800 to 1,000 years prior to the coming of Jesus, the Messiah. And Isaiah 50, am I there? No, I'm not there. Look at this. Here's now the Messiah speaking. And the Messiah says this, the Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned. Isn't that what we're talking about? Wisdom in our speech. And the Messiah is saying, look, the Father has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary, depressed, Anxious. Look at this. He awakens me morning by morning. When did Jesus pray, folks? He got up early in the morning to pray. Mark 1, verse 35. Go look at it. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I give my back to those who struck me, cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. But I want you to see that Jesus got his resource from the Father to go speak to the weary. And when we spend time with Jesus via the word of God, You're being taught and instructed, listen, by the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, so that he will give you a word for yourself every morning, it says, every single morning. But what do we do? We 
real, 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 real. Oh, time to go to work. We miss out. It's sad. It's not something to condemn yourself about. It's something that's sad, or it's not something I'm condemning you for. It's sad because we're missing out on receiving a word for me who's weary and depressed and anxious. And by the way, filling me up to encounter all the people that I'm going to encounter that day that need a word that brings joy to me. Unbelievable. We're our own worst enemies sometimes. And it's all right here, right in the scriptures. All right. I told you I'd stop, so I will. Well, Lord, just like G. Campbell Morgan says, these are just individual things. And yet, if we would read one proverb a day, we'd hit a number of different topics and things that we'd need for each day. So, Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight and always to exercise these spiritual muscles that you're trying to give to us. Lord, I pray that you would, by your power, fill us to overflowing with your spirit and help us to pursue righteousness and flee youthful lusts and walk and grow in the grace and knowledge of your son, Jesus. Lord, help us to be wise and understanding and instructive and peaceable people who are a blessing, who are a tree of life to other people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.